0: When you see a video like that of poetry and creativity, there's some of you guys that are like, oh man, I wish I could watch more of that. Some of you guys see that and you're like, oh man, I wish I could do something like that. And some of you guys watch and you're like, oh man, that was terrible. And there's literally people who are wiping tears from their eyes and people who are checking their watches to see how long is this thing. And it's funny, but creativity, it just strikes like that. It hits different people differently. I mean, all communication really does. And it's one of the things that when we say we as a church value creativity, one of the things that we're saying is that we're not going to communicate in just one method because if we stick to one method, we will reach one segment of the population. And we're saying we value this segment of the population above and beyond the others. And so one of the reasons, there's many reasons that we're creative is that we want to find ways to take this truth that never changes and put it into language that lots of different people will understand today. We're in a series where we're talking about the values of our church and there's these cool looking banners in the lobby that are there and you've walked past them and they have words on them and the words mean things. And last week was a very foundational one. Christ-centered. We are a Christ-centered church. Everything that we do is built on that foundation and it's built with the aim to drive people towards Christ. And then today we're talking about creativity and I want to start with this clarification. We are Christ-centered first and foremost because there are churches that have gone the route of saying, we value creativity and we don't want to limit creative expression in the church even if it violates the teachings of Christ. No, we are Christ-centered. And as Jesus defined it, those who love me follow my commands. We will follow the commands of Christ. And within those parameters, we have a huge amount of liberty for creative expression. And so before anyone says, oh, well, what if we fall off the deep end? No, we are confined to the the freedom that is found in Christ and we're going to live in that. But within that, we're going to find lots of different valuable ways to help explain and communicate and sense and feel and taste and hear the goodness of God. And, and trying to find ways to express this love that God pours into our heart. It's been a human struggle for generations, but it, I believe that it, it bubbles out of our life and create creative expression in lots of different ways. I'm gonna show you a statue. This statue was commissioned in 1752 and it was, took until I believe 1759 to be built. It took seven years. Go and go to that first statue picture. This was carved out of one solid block of marble. Can you see the, the cargo net? I mean, the fishing net that is around him. This, this sculpture is, is referred to as the release from deception. It's supposed to be the angel and the, and the truth of the word of God, releasing someone who is entangled by sin. Could you imagine the stress of working on that cargo net? If one little piece breaks, we have to start all the way over. Literally no apprentices helped him as he was carving this. I'm like, God, why do some people have the capacity to do that? And I struggle to open the cereal bag without ruining it. Go on to the, the next photo. This is a statue called the Virgin and it's carved out of marble and it's done in such an incredible way that it looks as though she's wearing a veil. I mean, that is just, that is incredibly beautiful. Like it, I could go and just stand in front of those for hours and just stare at the, the details that were painstakingly like, like carved out into this and just like, wow. God has given us some amazing creative capacities and it inspires awe in my heart, but you might look at it and be like, it's a hunk of rock. Who cares? But this is the thing we have to find ways that, that, you know, some of you guys loved the statues. Some of you guys loved the poetry but we as a church, we have to value all people enough that we're gonna figure out, okay, how can we communicate and hit as many hearts as we can with the truth of the word of God? And today, as we get into creativity, uh, there, there's one sentiment that I wanna dial into that, that is referred to in lots of different passages. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 is where we're gonna start from if you wanna open your Bible to it. And we'll, of course, project the words up on the screen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and it's the, and the apostle Paul is speaking here and he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. God drives at this heart issue so many times. And I want to clarify, he's saying, whatever you're doing, not just your worship, not just your times where you're at church, but whatever you are, work at it in a way that people would look at it and they would say, there's something different about that. That person serves with a different mentality and a different purpose than everyone else. God says, work at it with all your heart. Luke 10, 27, Jesus was responding to a question about the greatest commandment. And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Scripture gives this idea that the things that we should do, we should put the full force of our weight into it. And creativity is one of those things that it requires extra time, extra money, extra thought, extra preparation. And if we're gonna say, we're gonna live our life and we're gonna gonna invest all of our heart in what we do, I believe creativity is a natural outflow of that. And and creativity, I'm gonna give you three things about creativity today. Number one, uh, to help us understand creativity, creativity demonstrates the honor that is felt in your heart. Creativity demonstrates the honor that is felt in your heart. Really, I believe whatever is felt in your heart, your mind will come up with creative ways to express it. I'm just hopeful that it's going to be honor instead of anger or revenge, or pettiness, because we can be really creative about all those things. And I wanna drive your creativity into things of worship, not just things of anger. Like our mind will find ways to connect the dots with what we're feeling and it will be expressed. Like Matthew 12, 34 talks about from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's like, you will find creative ways. Like if you you have a friend who's into CrossFit, You're going to hear about CrossFit in every conversation, right? If you have a friend who is into essential oils, it's going to work its way in. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on your toes there. I know they're very popular in churches. But the things that are present on you, and so like if your heart is angry, someone's going to be like, the milk jug is empty. And you're going to be like, your heart is empty. Like anger will find creative ways to flow out. And if your heart is filled with worship, you're going to find ways to point people back towards God. And so we have to be careful about the condition of our heart. And then that should ask the question like, when was the last time that I within me just welled up with affection for God that it had to be expressed in some way? That either I I wanted to sing a song of praise or I wanted to study the word or I wanted to pray for someone or I wanted to serve someone just because I loved God so much. Because I want to honor God so much. It's like it has to find expression. Creativity, it demonstrates the honor that is felt in our heart. And often I believe there's no creativity expressed because there's no affection that is really welling up. And that should be a warning sign for you, church. Not only is creativity a demonstration of it, but creativity is a gift from God. In Exodus, Chapter 35, verses 31 through 33, what's going on in the context, the, the people of God are on, they've left Egypt and they're on their way to the promised land and God gives them very specific instructions for the tabernacle, which is the place that they would worship. Now, within that, there, there's gonna be different layers to the tabernacle. There's different metal work that would have to be done. They would overlay other objects with gold in a very skillful manner and it required a capacity for artistry that they probably weren't sure where they were going to find. And then God says, hey, don't worry, I've got the man's name for you. I'm giving him this gift, this capacity to do it. And in verse 31, you can put this on the screen. It says, and he has filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding and knowledge and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver and bronze to cut and set stones, to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. Do you recognize that God says that he fills people with the spirit of God, with wisdom, understanding and knowledge and with all kinds of skills? That that God has granted many of you guys incredible creative capacities, but maybe because you thought the church is like anti art and creativity, that you're like, I've got to just kind of keep that hidden from the church and maybe even hidden from God. Listen to me, God puts those gifts in you to glorify himself, to work in the church. And we need our creatives to use that fire that God's put in you to lift his name up here. Your gift is needed and your gift is given from God. If you have a capacity to paint, that is a gift from God. If you you draw, if you work with chalk, whatever you do, that is a gift from God and you should use it to lift up and glorify his name. Creativity, it, if we subject our, our life and our heart and our will to God, it's going to be an ex, a way to express the way that we feel about God. But here are some of the major complaints about creativity that I hear. It, doing something like that, it would take a whole lot of time. Doing something like that, it, it, it's going to take too many resources. It's going to cost too much money doing something creative in the church, that's just gonna, it's gonna take too much additional planning. All right. I hear those and, and and I wanna be reasonable in what we do, but I also wanna say, God is worthy of so much more. Could you imagine the conversation around, I'm gonna commission an artist to work for however long it takes, it took him seven years to carve from one huge expensive block of marble that statue. And I want it to illustrate the way that that God will free us from, from the entanglement of sin. And so I want an artist to figure out how to make a fishing net out of marble. That's crazy. That can't be done. But man, when it is done, can you imagine the awe that it will inspire? I mean, that that just seems ridiculous. But once it's done, we're like, oh yeah, I'm glad that they did that because it's beautiful. We as a church are going to do things that require additional planning. It's gonna require additional work. It's gonna require additional money. It's gonna ad- require so much from our sweat and our life and our family time together to make things happen because our, our God is worthy of the work and our mission requires that we employ creative means to reach our society. Like it's worth the work. It's what we're gonna do. And one of the motivations for doing it is because we have this love for God in our heart that we just say the, the common expressions aren't good enough. The way that things are working right now, like it's just not good enough. And I'm gonna tell you, This is one of the reasons why I believe that songs have to change within the church over generations. That we have to find these new ways of expressing what's in our heart. And I love so many of the great hymns, like, it is well with my soul, great is thy faithfulness. Like like these hymns, they move my heart. But there's a truth that when you grow up with a song as a child, that it becomes so common to you The the expressions of it lose their power, and when a new song is written that conveys the same eternal truth, but in new language, it hits the heart and the mind differently, and that's why one of those things will change from generation to generation. Songs will change. It's not that that song is bad. It's just that God delights in a new song as well, and Creativity is that natural flowing up of saying what is set in my heart has to be expressed in those beautiful, worshipful new songs also get written. Women, we I, I know that you guys are better at understanding this concept than, uh, than us men because I know it and I still fail to apply it as much as I should. But there's a truth that saying things in the common way lack the power that they should. And so things that we feel should be expressed in an uncommon way. Let me, let me help explain. Um, I, I was just teaching this concept during premarital counseling this week to a young couple who was getting married. And to, to the guy, because we're trying to fix a guy problem here. To the guy, I say, hey, look, I know that when you leave the house and you tell your wife you love her, you really like, you mean it with all the things and all the attachments. But you just say, love you, and you're out the door. And it's good that you do that and you should do that. But I know that what you really want to convey isn't getting conveyed because she's like, he's just saying the common thing that he always says. And what she should hear from you and what you should actually say to her, because this is what you mean. I was like, if you would just say what you feel, but rather than saying it the common way, just just alter it a little bit. What you want communicated will be communicated a lot better. And so instead of saying, hey, I love you, babe, bye, say, I am so blessed to have you as my wife. And when I walk out this door, I will just be looking forward to when I get to see your face again. Because my heart is yours. I'll see you at the end of the day. The women's heads were nodding a lot during that. And she'll be a lot happier when you leave and you'll be a lot happier when you get home later. If you'll apply some simple things like that, just because when you say what you feel in a new form, it means something different. And it also illustrates the fact that you're thinking. And so much of the male female relationship is messed up by the fact that the guys often aren't thinking or aren't communicating that we're thinking. And if we would step up some of our game on that and just communicate what we're thinking to them, then they'll understand what we're feeling. And in this, the same is true in worship. Like we, and, and God receives what is thought and felt in the heart. Be assured of that. He's the perfect judge. But we within ourselves, just the way that sometimes we are guilty of being like, but I love you. And we don't even think or feel those words. We in church will come in and we'll sing the chorus that is so familiar to us. And, and we'll go through the motions of things. We'll, we'll give financially, we'll serve. And our mind and our heart is so far away from God. But if you stop yourself and you say, you know what? I'm not gonna just go into my common, hands lifted high, praise and worship thing that I do. I'm gonna stop and today I'm gonna sit and I'm not gonna allow myself to sing, but I'm just gonna pray the words of this song. And you put yourself into just a different form in the same meaning, you'll find yourself worshiping God differently. It's one of the reasons why some people, sometimes during praise and worship, they'll kneel or they'll sit or they'll stand or they'll sing loud or they'll sing quietly or they won't sing at all. You can never judge by what's happening because you can't see what's happening in the heart, but the Father can. And so for you, finding the way for for, for those things that are felt to bubble out into into real communication, and this is this is connected to that truth. Number two, creativity communicates to different kinds of learners and people. In the husband-wife relationship, you, or even children relationship, um, learning people's love languages, you know you need to communicate your love to the people that are important in your life in different ways. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go check out the book, The Five Love Lang- Languages. It will help you. But creativity, it communicates to different people in different ways. Just like some of you guys love the poetry and some of you guys hated it, it, it It's one of those things that if we say we value all people, we can't just communicate to one segment of the population. We have to do different things at different times. The apostle Paul is a great example of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, we can put this up on the screen. It says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. And he's talking about he would go to city to city. And when he was with the Jewish people who were very strict about what they ate and where they went and who they were around, when he was with them, he would follow those traditions as to not cause an offense based on the preferences that he was allowed to have. He would submit his preferences to the person that he was with so that he might reach them. When he was with the Greeks, and this is an example, they, they would go and they would buy food in the temple or at times the church was actually known for going into the, the pagan temples and eating food that was, wor- that was sacrificed to the gods there. And Paul said, the idols there, they aren't anything. And so you're free to do that, but don't ever do it if it's causing someone else who's a Christian to stumble. If they don't understand and they see you do it, they might be tempted to go in there and their conscience will get after them. And he says, so, so think of other people. Put other people first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Like that, that concept runs through the New Testament. And Paul says, look around and care for the other people. In, in the way that we communicate, in the way that we do ministry as a church, we have to look around and have a concern and a compassion for the people that surround us. When, when I was bringing my wife back to, to Florida, we were living in um, Ohio at the time. And I've shared this story before, but it just, it's very connected to why we're creative in the church, why we're community-focused, both, both areas. I was showing her the path that I would ride my bicycle from my house in Naples um, to Chatelon Elementary School. And it was back in the 80s, and so you could let a first grader just go with a bike, and he's going to be fine. And so I was showing her the path, and I was like, you know, this is where I turned. This is my friend Brandon's house. Um, this was the parking lot where I got yelled at for riding my bike through their parking lot. And it was the first time I ever recognized what the building was. It wasn't just a church that I got yelled at there, but it was a church that I was denominationally tied to at the time. I was like, that's my church, where my sole interaction with them was getting yelled at for riding my bike through their parking lot while my household a block and a half away was breaking apart. We needed the gospel in a real tangible way right then. And I'm not mad at them, but it just made me super reflective of like the houses that surround the church where we minister, what would they say their sole interaction is with us? Have they had an interaction with us? How guilty am I if I'm in leadership of the church and the people who surround us have never been invited in and they're going through Terrible times while we're right on their doorstep, but we're too busy with ourselves to go and figure out a way to get into their lives. And for me, part of creativity is looking and saying, people learn from different things, they're in different places in their life. Some people will find a church because they have the internal compass that says, I have to have one, I need to have one, I was raised that way, I've gotta be in church. And some people have no compass at all pointing them that direction. I asked a question on my social media this last week, and I said, don't sugarcoat it. Give me the absolute truth. What is the real reason you first started attending church? And I'll, I'll tell you mine. I can't lie. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a pastor, and I'm preaching right now. My reason was they were cute girls. I was in 10th grade, and I, the cheerleaders were at youth group, so I was too, all right? That's why I started going. And there's other people who had that same sentiment. There was a lot of people that were like, there was a friend in my life, there was a neighbor, there was a coworker who, who invited me. And because of our friendship, I just went with them to appease them, to make them happy. It, you know, it, and when I was there, I found Christ. There was people who responded and said, my life was at a really terrible place. And I took the whole bottle of pills. And when I actually woke up in the morning, I just knew God wasn't done with me that I I needed to go find a church somewhere. There's someone who wrote, I felt so lost without a purpose, just floundering around. Things were going really tough with my health and I had some challenges within our family. Every time I tried to do something to fix things, it just got worse. It felt like, Nothing had any meaning to it. My husband and I had talked about going to church and the task of finding one was left up to me. When I Google searched, there were so many, I just got overwhelmed and stopped looking. Then the next day, a church just fell into my lap while I was looking for trick-or-treat options for the kids. I couldn't ignore that as a sign saying, here you go, stupid, now go. (laughs) There are people that have come to Christ in our church because of something as silly as a trick-or-treat or an egg drop. We had someone who is in church today listening to the message because we had a team of people at art festival yesterday in South Cape Coral. And so there was a couple here that were here listening to the message. And I understand that there are people in churches and in church leadership who would look at things that we're doing and it's like, how could you dare to go to an art festival where three booths away from you is a cannabis shop? How dare you support such a thing? How dare you drop Easter eggs from a helicopter? How dare you buy lunch at Chick-fil-A for an hour to invite people to your church where you're gonna have a sword swallower sharing his testimony? How crazy. Now listen, I understand that some of the things, some of the creative things that we will do to give people an excuse, a reason to come try out to church, it's gonna sit poorly with some people. And as kindly as I can muster it up, if those kind of things bother you, I'm gonna drive you crazy in the next year. Not because I wanna annoy you. But in my own life, <sighs> I can still sense and feel all of the weight and the anxiety and just the way that life felt before Christ was in my life. I can say that, but like scripture compares it to like being in, in, in darkness. Go to the next slide for me. I can say darkness, but sometimes you have to feel that. And I remember what it was like to go to bed at night and just wake up being like, I have to, I have to measure up to everyone else. I have to, I have to show that I'm significant by achieving in this sport or having this right girlfriend or doing this thing and just constantly feeling measured, constantly feeling a failure, constantly feeling like life shouldn't feel this way. And then there came a point where I heard the message of the gospel and I finally understood it and I finally applied it to my life. And and you can go to that next one. And it was like light came on in my life and it was the difference between the two. And for me to sense and feel and to have this peace and this joy that, that was just, it was nothing that the world could offer. For me to have that and not do everything that I can to share it with my friends, it didn't make sense. And so the people that I partied with a few weeks ago, I'm going back and I'm like, you have to test drive this Jesus thing. Like you have to go and feel and see and experience because it's better than anything that we ever did. It's better than anything that we've ever known. You've gotta come. And some of them looked at me like, you are crazy. And some of them were like, okay, I'm your friend. I'll come try it out. And God changed their life too. And for me to have all of this joy in this peace and this eternal salvation and purpose and to just say, we're gonna just do things the way that we love to do them. And we're gonna have really passionate personal worship and we're gonna take care of our own without doing everything we can to break into the community. That just seems wrong. Because to me, that's like leaving myself out there. And so I can't help it. I'm going to find a way to mobilize our church, whether it's art festivals or creative things that are connected to different celebrations in our community. We're going to go to those things and we're going to lift up the name of Christ, no matter what anyone else is lifting up. Three booths down, they're selling cannabis. Three booths over, we're inviting people to church. And I love that. And if that bothers you, a lot of stuff that we do is going to bother you. But don't make the mistake of thinking that this isn't done with purpose, design, and scriptural backing. The example was set by the Apostle Paul as he went to where the philosophers are who were talking anti-God. Where he'd go into the temples where they were sacrificing idols, and he said, These idols aren't even anything. We will find our a way into all those circles to proclaim. The name of Christ, because this light of Christ, it changes everything. I love the way that C.S. Lewis talked about the light in the darkness. He said, and you can put this quote up, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Our faith makes sense of the world. It makes sense of the suffering that we see around us. We understand where the responsibility that we, ha- we make decisions that hurt ourselves and hurt other people, that the effect of sin is real and that God has provided a solution to sin in the world. I understand the world better than I did when I put Christ at the center of my life. And so we as a church, we're going to do everything we can to push that message and push the light of Christ forward into, into our city. And one of the other reasons why we go into, we do creative things and we do things that draw people in is because they don't even know that we're here. I mean, we've been here for six years and we've had somewhere around 4,000 different people's contact information come through our church database. Some people know that we're here, but no matter how big you get people who aren't looking for churches at all, they don't notice churches at all. Uh, I was on staff in Muncie, Indiana. And in Muncie, Indiana, like Parks and Recs, the show makes fun of Muncie, Indiana because there's so little going on in that town. And, but one of the big things in Muncie, Indiana is the Church Union Chapel. Every summer they, they have a, a, a thing in their parking lot where I think like 10 to 15,000 people come through their parking lot for the party in the parking lot. Like it's pretty well known in Muncie, as well known as a church could possibly be. But I'm gonna show you a map. You see, you come out of Union Chapel and you turn right onto North Broadway and one minute away is Marathon Gas Station. And Pastor Robin Wood has talked about this in lots of different places. This is true where he was a pastor in Phoenix, Arizona. He says, lost people don't know where churches are. If you go one minute away from Union Chapel, the biggest church in Muncie, Indiana, and you go to the Marathon Gas Station and you ask the attendant, hey, have you heard of Union Chapel? And Robin actually did this and went in and the guy's like, I've never heard of it. How could you, you have to drive past it. It has big signs. There's times where there's 15,000 people standing around in the parking lot. How could you drive past that and not notice it? Lost people aren't looking for churches. So we need to be looking for them. They are looking for things in the city. They are looking for ways to strengthen their marriage. They are looking, one of the other top answers that people said of why they started going to church is I had kids and I knew that I needed help. They're looking for solutions of that. Uh, another person said, I wanted to join the church softball team and one of the requirements was attending church. Look, I don't care your reason for first attending church. I do care about the reason that you stay. You might come to the church. Some of those reasons might've been your reasons. But when you make Christ the Lord of your life, I know that it changes everything and it changes your reason for being at church. I've heard this saying before, um, whatever you get them with is what you have to keep them with. That might be true in marriages, but it's not true in churches. We will come, to, we will come into the building for lots of different reasons, but if we stay, um, it's gonna be because Christ found us. Number three, creativity demonstrates the love that is felt in your heart. And yeah, band, you guys can come up. I'm going to begin to close this thing up. Creativity demonstrates the love that is found in your heart. When your heart is overflowing with love for God, you're going to find a way to express it. Uh, marriage is just such a, a good parallel between our relationship with God. Scripture continually does that. And so I always like to go, go back to that point. Like, Do you remember when you were just, like, just puppy love with, with your spouse? Like before they were your spouse and, 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 or, or maybe that, that, that time, if you're not married yet, you might be feeling puppy love right now where it's like, you just, you feel so strongly about them that you're writing bad poetry. Like you feel so strongly about them that you're sharing your bad poetry with them because you just want them to know. Like remember that time when you first got to hold your spouse's hand Remember that time, like on your wedding day, I'm sure, where your lips first met together. And the way that your temperature rose up and you're like, I am in love and I will do anything for this person. Creativity without love, it really is, it is hollow. I'm not asking you to just, be creative in the way that we operate as a church but I what I want for you is that same passion that you once felt our passion for God should exceed any passion for er any earthly relationship and if you felt hollow in your dealings with God maybe finding some creative expression will help get you back to that place maybe as we sing this closing song that I believe, I believe it has the capacity to shake you as we close this, song, this, this service with worship. If you will find a way to get out of your normal rhythm and really worship from your heart and your mind during this closing song, maybe you need to take a different posture like I talked about, but maybe some of that hollowness that you felt from God will be re- reinvigorated That you'll sense that love that you once felt. And creativity, man, it does a great job of shaking us. And because we are Christ centered, that Christ centered love is going to well up in creativity within Gulfside Church, and that's part of who we're going to be. I'm going to pray, and then as the song starts, if you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit, sit. If you want to lift your hands, lift your hands. But find your way to let yourself just really worship this God who sits upon the throne. Let's pray together. God, you told us that the heavens declare your handiwork. You told us that if we are silent, that that if we don't sing out, that the rocks themselves will cry out. So, We don't want anything else to fill the job that we've been given. And so help our hearts and help our minds to worship you in a way that you deserve. And if that worship is best expressed in silent submission, then we will will kneel before you. If it's best expressed in freedom and dancing, then, then we will dance before you. But our mind and our heart We'll be in love with you in a way that demands we respond to this love. We are thankful for this grace that you've poured into us and this calling that you've given us. Help us to be faithful in it. In Jesus' name.